What up? Whoa! Hey! <laughs> oh, got her. Look. <laughs> I should have known that was coming. Uh, I know. When good. I didn't get to start it, I instantly so thought good. I must pull the bend. That's good. Well, hi, everybody. (laughs) Welcome back to the Oasis Podcast. We are excited for another day. My name is Jaina. I am here with my friends. Brennan. And? You can call me uh, either Ginger Ninja. I've been known as the Red (laughs) Priest. Oh, it's it's been it is weird. Sorry, because my beard. I'm Ben. Hi, guys. (laughs) Kyle, Kyle, can you cut that? (laughs) The red priest made me think of the Scarlet Witch from uh, WandaVision. Oh, interesting. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, that's. I don't know why that's where my. No, there's a there's like we could put there's a no there's a German monk there's a German monk back in like I don't know if it's like 15 or 1600s maybe, um, who was known as the red priest because he had ginger because he had a red beard. All right, let's get into this podcast. (laughs) So before we get into the content for today, I got this opening question for us. Real deep, real philosophical. It's going to reveal a lot about who we are, but you guys ready? Here we go. Mm -hmm. Hit us with it. What is your favorite color? Snap. (laughs) I don't know. This one's hard. Like, I I don't know if I have time to amply work through my thoughts here, but I'll just spitball. Royal blue. Um, <laughs> Why royal? Yeah, Because, I mean, there's so many shades of blue. And if you're mm-hmm. my wife, everything is just seven colors. Like, it's all just, like, if she sees anything that's blue, it's all just blue. And it's like, <laughs> no, Allison, it's not. That is, that is. Wow, a, full name. Yeah. It's like, no, that is actually royal blue. And that's light blue. Or that's teal. Like, she'll see teal and be like, that's blue. No, it's not. I know. I'm with your wife on this. Allie, this is going to be two weeks in a row where we hear you. We are for you. We <laughs> <laughs> uh, next week i'll come back with more supportive content my wife. <laughs> but I, I i feel where your wife is coming from because yeah. my abby wouldn't be you my abby my whatever yeah but I, can, I, I, would, I would i would look at it like the sure like this is a type of blue yeah it's a type of blue but it's not just blue, <laughs> oh, it's blue. so anyways i like royal blue because i just like the way it looks like i don't yeah. know my eyes are just very stimulated mm. by it I, i'm not gonna wear it and i don't i don't want like a royal blue car but i like mm. seeing stuff that's royal blue so go Jax. Right. Go Jax. Let's go. All right, Ben. I'm going to go with purple. Simple. Easy. Mm-hmm. I look great in it. Minnesota Vikings. I have emotional attachment to it. And I like seeing people's responses when I say my favorite color is purple. <laughs> What's the general response? Well, again, so like when I was 16 years old, it was mm-hmm. you're a weirdo. Mm. Now it's because you guys are more accepting. How dare you? <laughs> How dare you? But what's nice is like... Ask my son what my favorite color is. He knows. He knows oh, it's purple. My dad's, my dad's favorite color is purple. Mm. Cute. It is. I love purple. It's legit. All right, Jana, what's All yours? right. My favorite color is red. And I'm kind of like Brennan. I was thinking about this earlier. I don't wear red. I don't want red things, like, in my house. Like, But the color red, I just like it. It's bold. It just screams confidence. And, like, Amen. I don't know. Just like it. I'm going to get you guys both of those. I'm going to get you just all on an all like tracksuit, royal blue for Brennan and a red tracksuit. I might legitimately wear that. Just I like it's funny. I think, I bet you, I bet you look great in it. I'm not kidding. <laughs> jumpsuits right. are, jumpsuits are kind of back in. That's oh, true. for sure. That's true. But anyways, talking about dads and favorite colors, my dad's favorite color is gray. Low key. Like I'm not even lying. Gray. Right. So well, speaking of gray, gray areas. <laughs> yeah. That was uh, what's, what's the deal with this? Why we picked this topic, Ben? What are you I, thinking? I don't know. <laughs> I just I believe the world's super black and white. I think that there's a right and wrong decision in all things. No, just uh-huh. kidding. The reality is we live in a world that is not black and white. And I think I've had to there's aspects in my life where I've had to learn this. I've had to learn 
that not everything is really, really clear in making decisions. And even like the Christian walk, we recognize and realize mm-hmm. that in Scripture, there are things that are super black and white. There are. There are things that are really, really clear. Uh, Ephesians 5, 18, do not get drunk on wine. That's really clear, right? Yeah. I mean, like, like that's that's a simple thing drunk. that is very, very clear. But you notice that the Bible doesn't ever actually talk about, well, whether you should drink at all. It says, do not get drunk. And so it's like, that's a gray area, what we'd call a gray area. And so we believe it's important to talk about things that are associated with our Christian walk and want to help encourage you guys to recognize what are some gray areas in your life. Mm-hmm. And then how do you navigate those things and make the decisions to pursue? It's, it's important because we don't want to immediately, one, assume that there's always a right or wrong answer in things. Because sometimes it, we have to just take the time to ask good questions, to find the right people, to pray about it. just different things that we need to do in order to just to make, and then just to have the courage to make a decision. But our world is very gray, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. and in the church, things aren't as simple as we want them to be sometimes. Yeah. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. That's not a bad thing. Because we wish sometimes they were simpler. Oh, for yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't like, it be easier if you oh, had an answer? So much easier. Every, mm-hmm. t- every single time you needed a question answered, yes. it's just like it was there. But yep. fortunately, that's not always how it is. And we're going to go through a process of kind of walking through what it looks like to navigate these. But the first way we're going to talk about is just like, what's an overview, just kind of general throwing it out there? Like, how do we navigate gray areas? Uh, So you start with, as followers of Jesus, we want to pursue, okay, what does Jesus want for my life? Like what, not, not like a... I have my hopes and I have my dreams and like that's it. But like even like how do I surrender all things? How to be submissive to every aspect and mm-hmm. area of my life to what Jesus has for me? So like I said, scripture first point. Like how is God speaking to us? How is God talking to us? What is He commanding of us? Because some things we want to be black and or uh-huh. we want to be great are actually are actually black super yeah. black and white. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why I talk about drinking, mm-hmm. sex before marriage. Mm-hmm. There's a, I mean there's stuff in there, guys. That is re- uh, going to church. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, do not give up meeting together. Yeah. Uh, and so there are things that are very black and white. We want to know, okay, what is God asking, commanding me? Because God is a good God. He's your father. And so the things that he's asking you to do are for your good. Yeah. Like, because he desires actually good things for your life because he loves you. So we go to scripture. All right, what are those processes? How does he speak to us? Scripture. He does it through prayer. There's a reality that in moments where there wasn't a clear decision in my life, when I've prayed about it, there have been moments that I have felt really like, just not not at ease, and I and I knew I needed to make a decision about whether it was. So we we had a, a thing where between me and Ab, I got asked to go move to Indiana to go help with a church plant there. And for me, like emotionally, I had an attachment because a friend asked me to go move with him to do it. Well, there's nothing in scripture right that says Ben, you should move to Indiana. <laughs> Unfortunately, that would be crazy, yeah. incredible. Like scripture just gets added, <laughs> which we're told doesn't doesn't happen. But so then, why we pray about it? And then there's just a reality of like, what is happening in my soul? How do like, I, there's moments where I've been really uncomfortable in that situation. I was uncomfortable. I was like, no, this is not right for our family. This is not right. Mm-hmm. Situation. And then there are moments like coming to Brookings and applying for the Oasis positions. Like, all right, I have a piece about that. So it's career mm-hmm. stuff. But then most importantly, or I shouldn't say most, but an aspect that's really important with it as well is like, there's people in your life that you should be connecting with that really love Jesus. Go ask them because God speaks through them mm-hmm. to encourage, to help, to give wise counsel, which Proverbs tells us to pursue. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we want to go through those processes of, how, of navigating great areas. But then there's, uh, we won't get to the seven questions yet. Yeah, yeah. Continue. We'll get back to that in a second because I want to give you some examples of yeah. maybe you're sitting here and you're like, oh, what the heck are these guys even talking about? Like gray areas. We've thrown a couple of them out. But even more specifically, maybe, Janie, you'll kick us off. But what are these yeah. examples of you see commonly in young adults talking about gray areas? Yeah, I'll list a couple. Diet yeah, and exercise. Mm-hmm. How do you do that? What's the balance? 
secular music, going downtown, drinking in general, cohabitation, Dang. living with uh, roommates. roommates that yeah. are, you know, multiple genders, living with your significant other or whatever. Anybody jumping in? You're on a roll. Swearing, cussing, modesty. Um, ben already mentioned career choices. Um, all of those things can we, be gray areas. Yeah, so the Bible sure. don't have explicit, There's clear, like words for. Yeah, it. and the list goes on and on. I mean, we oh, make yeah. a, we make a joke about the halftime show that we we do for the Super Bowl, <laughs> and, like yeah. with Oasis and youth group. Is like, oh, should we show this? <laughs> should we not? Yeah, yeah. We didn't even, you know, put in their movies or TV shows, or like all the inputs, inputs inputs in your life in general. Yeah, finances. Mm -hmm. Mm, How much should I give? Like, like we can argue percentage versus proportion in the New Testament, but like, there's a reality of like, what does this look like? Mm -hmm. Should I spend money on like that much money on a house? Yeah. Should I go to that? Like, (laughs) I don't know. There's just it's gray, not Mm -hmm. black and white. Mm -hmm. And in that, Ben, you've got these seven questions that you've used, and you've talked to our leadership team, and I, I, I. I think they're super good to help discern and filter out some of the the grayness of this. Because I don't know if any of these you can for sure get to a place where it's completely black and white, but you can move in different areas, you know, Mm -hmm. and you can start to gradually see where the Lord might be leading you specifically around this. So Use this as an additional process. Yeah. Yeah. Outside of, right, scripture, which some of these will have scripture tied to them. And even in general, the reality that... Life is gray. First Corinthians 10 says, I have the right to do anything you say, but not everything is beneficial. Mm-hmm. Right? I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good, but the good of us. So like, there's a reality where it's like, we have the ability and choice to literally do whatever we want. Mm-hmm. And when things aren't black and white in scripture, that's where the gray areas come in. So the first of seven questions that we would feel like, here's a way to navigate some of these gray areas. First one is, all right, does it have negative long-term consequences? And if it does, whatever it is, if it has negative long, long-term consequences, don't do it. Like we live in an immediate uh, instant gratification society. Like, so it's, we're being told if you want to do it, then just do it. If you know it's going to feel good, then just do it. The problem is that even if it feels good in the moment, sometimes there's a reality where that has future consequences for us. Mm-hmm. And it's not best for us in the future. In dating, like we see this all the time. Like we, I think in dating what happens, especially in the young adult world, is we give over ourselves. We give to our significant other in that moment and in that relationship what is reserved for our future spouse. And that has mm-hmm. a long-term consequence. Again, can God redeem and reconcile? Yes, right? We mm-hmm. believe in God of grace and forgiveness and goodness. Yeah. But we like it, don't make decisions that could have potential negative long-term consequences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Debt. I mean, I'll go. I'll keep going, man. Yeah, I, like, yeah sure. Debt sure. with it, right? Like, if you <laughs> know how much money, don't go pay for a $32,000 car and be in loans for how many mm-hmm. years if you don't have the money to do it. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. going to have long-term consequences. Like, just... What does it look like to make wise decisions? Don't waste your money. We need to be good, good stewards of those things. Um, think about, yeah, will this have long-term consequences for my life or not? Mm-hmm. Second question, could it harm your body? First Corinthians 6, so this is a, right before Paul says in First Corinthians 10, he repeats the idea of like allowed to do anything or not allowed to do anything. And he says in First Corinthians 6, verse 12, you say I'm, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you, right? Even though I'm allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. You said food was made for the stomach and the stomach for food. And he says, this is true, though someday God will do away with both. 
But you can't say that our bodies were made for sexual immorality. They were made for the Lord, and the Lord cares about our bodies. And God will raise us from the dead by his power just as he raised our Lord Jesus from the dead. And running, uh, or going down to verse 18, he says, Run from sexual sin. No other sin is so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. The reality for those things that, and, and then he goes on, he says, You do not belong to yourself or God bought you with a high price. Mm-hmm. So you must honor God with your body. So like, if it's going to affect your body in some way, and this is not just with sex in my mind, there's a reality. Mm-hmm. Okay, food or exercise. Yeah. Like, the, the our, yes, our body being a temple, how we take care and steward our physical self. Like our physical self is still attached with our soul and our mind, our emotions and our heart. And so in moments where it's not clear in scripture, moderation sometimes is probably the best decision. Like I struggled with this with pop, man, I, I drink, man, you guys, I've drinking so much soda in my life. <laughs> it's been unhealthy. It just has been. So it's like, there's a conviction for myself that I've had over this last, even just four months. I'm 33 years old and I've just now had this conviction. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. I've never had this conviction before because I've never, I don't know if I just didn't realize maybe what it was doing for me or, or what it could be doing. Um, until Abby sent me an article on what aspartame actually does. doesn't matter. I'm not going to get into it. This is my conviction where like, all right, not just moderation, but I had a conviction all of a sudden like, I need to stop drinking so much soda and just stop drinking soda in general. I'm not taking care of myself. So that was my conviction. Like if it harms our body, and I think that even equates to it could potentially have negative long-term consequences for mm-hmm. how we live right now on this earth. Yeah. So those are the first two. Yeah. I mean, another gray area I thought of that we didn't even mention is any type of body modification. So good. Yeah. Like okay. tattoos, piercings, I really mean, good. facelifts, excess really skin removal, butt lift, whatever. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. yep. those are gray areas yep. in scripture. And, and, you know, like you could, I mean, work through this question for yourself in that gray area of does this cause my body harm and do I want to do that? Yeah. yeah that's totally. super good. And Ben kept using this word conviction, and that's where I'm going to kind of go with this next one. It's the third question that you can ask yourself is, does it leave you with a guilty feeling? Like mm-hmm. when you do this act or you pursue that thing, does it leave you within your in yourself? And I won't, like, I don't, I don't know. Well, I'll, I'll, I won't touch that. But does it leave you in yourself feeling off and, and some kind of shame or guilt? And Paul says in Romans 14, 23, he says, but whoever has doubts is condemned if they eat because their eating is not from faith. And everything that has not come from faith is sin. So there's this idea of faith is just trusting in Jesus. So if you're not trusting in Jesus, you're living a life of sin. And in the same way, sometimes when you make these decisions, we know it's a decision not to not to trust Jesus in it. Hmm. It's not putting our faith back in Him. And we're starting to make decisions where we know even before we've made the decision that there's probably going to be doubt and guilt or shame leading down that road, but we still make those decisions. So how do you navigate? How do you ask that question before you even make the decision? Where you're like, I no, I've been there before. I've done this thing before and I know what it makes me feel like. Like I've I've snapped that person back before mm-hmm. and I've sent them that picture that it's like it's kind of a gray area because it's not that bad, but it might be bad. And I know the way it makes me feel. Mm-hmm. Like how do you trust in faith that Jesus's way is better than that yours and not continue to give in to sin in that? Yeah. Uh, the next question I'll have is question number four for you. And it says, does it cause anyone else to sin? And out of the list of seven, this is probably the one that struck me the the most, because I think it's probably a question that is very, very deep to the heart of Jesus, as Jesus is constantly orienting our own minds away from ourselves and to others. When we're dealing with these gray areas, how do we just take ourselves sometimes out of the equation and look at those around us and see, what is this doing to the people who I'm trying to live life with, who I'm trying mm-hmm. to influence? In 1 Corinthians 8, 9 through 10, Paul says again, be careful, however, that you exercise that the exercise of your rights does not become a stumbling block to the weak. 
For if someone with a weak conscience sees you and with all your knowledge eating in an idol's temple, won't that person be emboldened to eat what is a sacrifice to idols? And he's writing this to a culture where some people in the culture thought it was wrong to eat food that had been sacrificed to idols. But the Mm -hmm. Christians in that culture knew that those idols were false, so they knew this food didn't have a religious meaning. It was just Mm -hmm. being wasted. They were just leaving it on these altars to these fake gods. So Christians were sometimes eating of this food. They were Mm -hmm. like, hey, there's no problem for us to eat it. But Paul steps in and he says, hey, by you eating that food, you're actually insulting and hurting and leading the people who are believing that astray, and you're, you're hurting their faith in it. And he says, so yeah, it's not wrong for you to eat that. That that food is fine for you to eat. But he says, because of what it's doing to them, I'm asking you to stop. Yep. Mm-hmm. And this is the one for me when it goes to like going downtown where you will, as a college student, your friends or your, your family, whoever you're going with, it's like for you, it's not a sin. You know, you can go there and you can live righteously and you can have good conversation and you can glorify God with your words and the way you look at people. You cannot overdrink, you cannot overconsume. And that's something you can do. But by going with those people, leading them, driving them, doing whatever you're doing, how are you maybe leading them into sin or leading them into a stumbling block because you know they can't handle it? Mm-hmm. Where every time they go downtown, they drink too much and they talk to that person and they make those bad decisions. And because you're just along for the ride, being that friend, and and I get it. Our temptation is to say, hey, but I'm being supportive and I'm still loving them. And, and that's true in some senses. Mm-hmm. But if it's causing them to sin, sometimes it's better to have a conversation to talk about moving that gray area and removing that than it is to continue to enable sin. And why this one is so hard for us is because, again, we live in a culture where it's, where you say, like, pursue your freedom. Yeah, mm-hmm. I have freedoms yeah. I want to make. I, why shouldn't I not be able to make the choice I want to make? Mm-hmm. And what's so awesome about the gospel is that it does orient ourselves to others. Mm-hmm. And it's a good thing. So yeah. it's, it's a hard one. Yeah. Yep. It is hard. Yeah. Keep going. Yeah, keep All right. going. So the next question ties really closely into what yeah. Brennan was just talking about, but does this hurt your witness? And so not only are you maybe causing assembly block for someone else, but are you hindering your witness as a Christian by this action that you're taking or this thing you're pursuing? And so just looking at First Peter 3 is just that reminder um, that says uh, 3.15, but if your hearts revere Christ as Lord, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of your slander. For it is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. Um, and so just in that, like we are called to be able at any moment to give testimony of the hope that we have in Christ, to be able to communicate the gospel um, and to share that with those around us. And so is this action, this thing that we're doing, causing that to be impossible or to be harmful or to be hurtful? Um, and again, that's one that's kind of hard to navigate sometimes, but it's something that you should wrestle with, mm-hmm. you know? And some of that comes down to how do other people perceive me? And you can't always control oh, that, so, which so makes good. it even harder. But mm-hmm. like, if we're not wrestling with that question and, and praying about that and asking God to give clarity in that, we're missing mm-hmm. and we're just again, choosing to exercise their own free will. Yeah, I've got two ideas off of that. Yeah. One, I mean, that that perception of other people to you is so hard to navigate. Yeah, you, you can't control I remember it. there was one time, I think I was a freshman, maybe a sophomore in college, and some of my high school buddies had invited me to go to, to wherever they were hanging out. And when I got there, it was more of a party than they let on. <laughs> so I was all of a sudden stuck in the middle of this college party with these guys. And I wanted to be able to spend time with them. I was mm-hmm. just home for a weekend. But I went and I got a solo cup and I just filled it with water from the sink because I was dying of thirst. It was hot <laughs> in this house. I don't know how all y'all that go to house parties survive in these 95 degree sweaty dens of people. <laughs> but 
I, I was getting a drink of water and I was just thinking like people who used to know who I was, who mm-hmm. used to know I lived a life of sin, living in party and drunkenness, they now see me at this party holding this cup and what's their assumption of me? Mm-hmm. Like even just being here holding a cup that's filled with water, they have no idea what's in it. Like is that somehow hurting my witness? And that mm-hmm. that's a hard road to navigate. And I do want to say something with that. I've known some people who it actually has, and man, this is going to be weird to say. And we may have to, if I have to explain this, please tell me I need to explain okay. it. Who it actually has helped their witness in being in these environments. But here's why. Because they, and these people have had the capacity, the character behind. Mm-hmm. So the way they literally live their life and the confidence to be bold in literally yeah. sharing Jesus in any moment. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it actually didn't hurt their witness because everyone there knew that person loves yeah. Jesus. Yeah. We know what they're about. And he's going and just hanging with So like, again, we're not saying, we're not telling you what decision you need to make, but mm-hmm. I think some of it's like, how are you living your life? Like I know people who could go to that environment and be, because they were so confident, I, a guy I used to work with was like that. Mm-hmm. He literally would like, and he's seeing actually fruit now, literally 25 years later of he, w- mm-hmm. he was in these environments and went to these parties, but they knew who he was. They knew yeah. his character. They knew his faith in Jesus. He was confident in sharing the gospel, but he'd go and hang out. And now all of a sudden, 20 years later, they're actually coming and asking him spiritual questions. Mm-hmm. They're like, they're struggling with life and need to know. They remember, oh, I remember this guy where his faith was and he hung out with me and cared for me. Mm-hmm. So it's like, again, just re- be okay wrestling with this stuff, yeah. but know where you're at. But mm-hmm. isn't that the whole complica- complicated, yes. Yes. Uh, complex side of gray areas? Yes. Because yeah. for him, it's totally okay. Yes. But for me, in that situation, yes. I felt like it was yes. harmful. Yep. Yeah. So it's like, yep. man, that's gray areas. Yep. And that's the and both were right. Yes, that's yeah. so crazy. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then the other part I was going to put on the Hurt My Witness, we're doing a series here starting this Sunday through the next three weeks. And it's going to be called Slow Down, Slow Down, Shut Up, and the Seventh Day. <laughs> And it's mm-hmm. a series where we're talking through um, slowing, silence, and sa- uh, Sabbath. And through that, we're going to push back against what our culture is trying to get you to believe that you need to hustle and hurry and and push through life. And when it comes to this, one of the gray areas is that idea around hustle and hurry. Because as Christians, we want to work hard. We want to glorify God with what we're doing. But the way our culture is doing it, it's leading people to burn out and not love the way Jesus is. So it's a gray area. It's like, oh, how do I work hard but still balance what Jesus has called me to? And in that of, of your witness... Think about the last one of the times you were able to share the gospel or one of the times you weren't. Like, were you too hurried in that situation to be able to set down your own That's agenda good. to go and to share that gospel? Because for your own witness to be able to be heard and to be seen, like you have to be slow enough to be able to get into those interactions. So yeah. even in the gray area of hustle and hurry and busyness and working hard, mm-hmm. like your witness can be tainted because people see you constantly running from one thing to one thing to one thing, and they're not even going to get in and ask the question because they know yeah. you're already blowing to the next thing. So. That's so good. But I wanted to plug our next series too because no, it's going to be good. so good. I fit perfectly. Sweet. Oh. Yeah. So the sixth question. Wow, that was a, that was um, a doozy there. fifth question. <laughs> that was good. I loved that. That was good. So this next question is, does this thing benefit myself or others? So the first question was, does this have long-term negative consequences? And this is a little bit different. This is, okay, maybe this doesn't have negative consequences, but is this really going to benefit me? Or is it going to benefit others? And so as we look in Scripture, Philippians 4, um, 8 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And it's this reality that this thing may not be harmful to you, 
but it also may not be the most beneficial or the most helpful for your life or for those around you. Um, Tyan, that ties back into the previous two questions, yeah. but how do you work through that? Of Okay, this, this thing may be good, but how do I pursue what's yeah. best for me and what God really truly has yeah. for me? And so maybe this thing that isn't awful just needs to be a not right now thing. Yeah. Or I mean, a quote I keep getting hit with lately, and, I, and it's good. I think I need to hear it is, uh, good is the enemy of greatness. Mm. So it's the idea of, too many times in our culture, we settle with something that's just okay or mediocre, yeah. and we're giving up what God actually has for us in the good things. That's so, so that's, good. That's good. Yeah. Amen. Hit us with the last one. <laughs> ben, you got question seven? Seven is just this reality. is like, we'll bring glory to God. I mean, yeah. and in these last two, if, if you've gone through the first five, mm-hmm. it's like, all right, if there's no to all those and you feel confident, these two are, are pushing into that, okay, it's actually beneficial. Yeah. And ultimately, okay, does this actually bring glory to God? Um and that's where you just have to have the courage to make a decision that may be hard knowing, all right, is this going to bring glory to God or not? And that's ultimately a, a, lot, a big purpose of our life is to give him glory. We need to think what will ha- best help us accomplish that purpose and that reality of giving glory to God. Um, you know, a lot of it for me was was moving to Minneapolis with the church plan. I think about that moment of I got offered a job to stay here at Grace Point, two jobs technically. <laughs> <laughs> and there was a moment where staying here – what is not a wrong decision, but there was something that God was doing in my life and in that moment that I actually needed to stay. So the guy I was moving with was the guy who was discipling me. And ultimately, I think to pursue the purposes that God had laid out for my life, like I needed to, to stick with that commitment that I was going to stick with yeah. mm-hmm. and go move to the church and go with him to Minneapolis. And that was in my life in that moment going to give the most glory to God to stick with that commitment mm-hmm. that I had made and, and keep with that conviction. But yeah, does it give glory to God? And so those are seven questions. Mm-hmm. In all those, like the thing I regret, I should say the most, but something I definitely regret in, in even asking myself these seven questions in different navigating gray areas is I've, I didn't do a great job, especially when I was an earlier Christian at inviting people alongside mm-hmm. those in these questions. Yeah. So that's why we say just the reality, man, can, our salvation is not individual, right? It's mm-hmm. communal. And so don't be afraid to invite people into these with you, especially like make sure they know and love Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, that's super important. But when we invite people into it with us, I mean, don't we fear this idea that of legalism or they'll have a different yeah. conviction than we do? Like, where does that play into the yeah. whole thing of gray area? Right. And so a, a big thing with that is like, know the people you're asking into those moments, uh, still be confident in what you believe God is asking you. Like we, we talk about conviction and there's a reality in gray areas, even with maybe best friends, you might disagree on stuff, mm-hmm. but, or, or when you're getting asked advice, like someone comes to you and he's like, hey, like, I don't know if I should do this. What are your thoughts on that? And they're just trying to discern. Don't allow your conviction to be a conviction for someone else because that yeah. is legalism. And so it's make sure to extend grace well. Help them navigate that moment well. And say, like, even in those moments as you're sharing examples of why you believe what you believe, why you have a certain conviction, say, this is my conviction. Mm-hmm. Especially you can't point to scripture. If you can't point to something that this is obviously black and white, if it is a gray thing, help them navigate that. And in that process, extend grace. But also yeah. extend grace to yourself well, too. No, and mm-hmm. I, I think right on the tail end of that conviction little piece is how do we as Christ followers extend grace, recognizing that other people's convictions not aren't always ours. I remember a couple of years ago, Ben started to ask me these questions because we I was dealing with some stuff, seeing some accountability things in other people's lives that I wanted to I wanted them to see. I wanted <laughs> God's best for them, but Ben needed to help me walk this out because part of my reason is I wanted them to act like I thought they needed to act. And I had an assumption that they believed, they knew what they were doing was wrong. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Where it was like this, 
I assumed they had a conviction that I had. So mm-hmm. I wasn't extending any grace to them, and I wasn't willing to go and have a conversation asking people, okay, what's your heart and what's your intentions? Have you walked through these questions? Have you have you reflected and prayed and pondered on what God really yeah. wants for you in this before giving them their yes themselves? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, I mean, maybe just jump to the application part. Yeah. Cause, yeah. Yeah. Um, so we talk about, okay, so what do you do with this, right? Uh, we want you to, want, three P words. We like the alliteration around here. <laughs> Going with the PPP. <laughs> Nothing. I thought it's a medical term, isn't it? PPP. I have no idea. It's not like scrubs and things. Sure. I don't know. I watch Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sure. sorry. <laughs> so one, what do you do with this? One, uh, ponder. What gray areas in your life are you struggling to navigate? Mm-hmm. Like, think about it. Pray mm-hmm. through it right now. Like, like, take a moment. If you're driving in your car, don't just like close your eyes and keep driving. <laughs> but like at tonight, right? <laughs> tonight, ponder this. Like, what are you navigating? Like, what are some decisions, convictions that you're feeling you don't know what to do? Go through these seven questions. Go back and maybe Brennan can list these seven questions on the podcast yeah, so yeah. in the description. Yeah. Um, so ponder, what are you going through? Practice. So actually do it then. Actually go through these. When, you, when you're trying to figure out a decision, struggling to figure out what that should be, go through the seven questions, pray through it. And then finally, that's it. P, third P, pray. So ponder, practice, and pray. Mm-hmm. Um, understanding that God will give you wisdom as you seek wisdom. Um, the Holy Spirit's good in that, mm-hmm. and he'll lead us to that. Uh, yeah, ponder, practice, and pray. It's mm-hmm. good. And the last place we're going to leave you with this is just kind of a, I mean, the idea that convictions change. Yeah. I mean, for different seasons of life, you might believe different things. And these two can That's jump okay. in and help help me uh, further flush out this thought. But for me, one of the ones that I really was wrestling with when I first became a Christian was secular music. It was mm-hmm. like, <laughs> Ben's giving me a funny face. I thought, <laughs> Never mind. But, but I was, I did. I struggled with, I was like, I was the biggest Drake fan you had ever met in the world. Like I'd seen him in concert. <laughs> I had, I had, I would travel him around. I would consume all, every, every, he could have pooped on a beat and I would have been like, <laughs> yes, this is gold money I am in. Like, I think you just had a sentence. I didn't understand three words in it. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, seriously, I, I loved Drake and I became a Christian and I wrestled with, okay, can I still consume and listen to Drake's music while glorifying and living a life for Jesus? And in that moment, I feel like God told me no. I honestly do. I believe God led me to a place where the only music he wanted me to listen to was Christian music. And there was a lot of radio Christian music, which now Ugh. I look back on and I'm like, oh, it's a little cringy, at least to me. But I, I, I like got into Christian hip hop really, really deep. And I was into all of the worship bands. And that was just the music that filled my ears. And I was at a place as an infant, as a Christian, because this is this this hilarious way that God leads us through the Christian walk, that we start as infants and we grow in maturity. Mm-hmm. And I needed to be protected from the, this, these influences, these inputs. But however, as I've walked with Jesus for the last handful of years, I have seen him strengthen me and help me grow in maturity and become more like him to now I'm at a place where like I have introduced some secular music back into my listening vocabulary. And like one of the bands I'll tell you is like, I like to listen to AJR. I think they mm-hmm. are, their stuff is so dope the way they're able to do all these crazy noises and just, I don't know, they, mm-hmm. it helps me be joyous and, and, and love life sometimes when I listen to their music. And I, again, I don't agree with everything they're putting out, but five years ago, I couldn't have listened to that and still glorify God because what's running around in my head all the time would have been their lyrics and they would have, mm-hmm. and I think it would have led me astray. But now I'm at a place where I can take my thoughts captive and that doesn't have the same influence on me. I'm glad you said that because that's mm-hmm. the reality of you fixed your eyes on Jesus enough, you've grown in spiritual maturity where you can combat that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. 
So right now, yeah. another one. I mean, maybe you're someone who has done the party scene, lived downtown there every weekend, have friends who, who that's all you do. And now as you're coming to follow Jesus, you're trying to figure out, okay, is it okay for me to keep drinking and keep doing these things and keep going downtown? And for a season, God might ask you to 100% abstain and to remove yourself from that scenario, you know, mm-hmm. where you're going to, for a couple months, you're not going to touch any kind of alcohol. You're not going to go downtown at all because you can't handle that right now in your walk with Jesus. But I'm not saying in five or six years, you can't go to a brewery and enjoy like a flight or something. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like they, they change and that's okay. We just have to continue to be willing to walk through this process yeah. Yeah. then. Yeah, the whole point of this is it's not okay to budge on the direct scriptural commands, so you yeah. need to know your word, Yeah, right? Mm-hmm. But it's okay if your conscience changes and, and, and practice changes in some of these subjective areas where it's gray. And what that means is like give your – what extending grace in those moments where maybe conviction change, it doesn't mean that you're falling away from God, right? I think that's super important. It doesn't mean you're compromising spiritual maturity. I think that needs to be said. And it doesn't mean you're becoming – legalistic Mm -hmm. just Mm -hmm. know like all right i'm not abandoning i'm not pushing back against the direct scriptural commands of what god's asking me to do but sometimes yeah it's Mm -hmm. okay if things change yeah that's good yeah so good sweet so if you have anything that you're like oh man this gray era continued to pop up in my mind as i was listening to the podcast you've got our emails you've got our contacts you can always hit us up because we we want to walk with you through this we'd love to have those conversations i mean these are fun conversations to have even though they're that gray area Mm because we get to walk life out together right and that's what jesus has called us to but uh otherwise we pray that you would take a second to pray ponder practice all of these three and, and figure out what God's calling to you to in this season. So that's it. Yeah, we'll yeah. check you next week. Bye. See ya. See ya.